welcome to Your Financial Planet podcast with David Valliere and the Synergy Capital Solutions team. This is the show that brings you synergistic financial strategies to help you enjoy the fullness of today and empower your next generation. Join us for this journey to help you synergize your finances. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Your Financial Planet. I'm your host, David Valliere. And today we are joined by Mark Burns and Norton Stern. Guys, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thanks, David. Yeah, Thanks, so David. I, Happy to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. I really wanted to talk to you guys about insurance, uh, specifically life insurance, long-term care, annuities. There's a lot of moving parts anytime you bring those up. Sometimes it's, it's legacy programs that people have been a part of. And, and I really just wanted to kind of strip back all of the you know, kind of moving parts and unknown and just talk about it from a planning perspective. Obviously the Synergy team, we look at everything from a planning perspective first. You know, that was the conversation I wanted to have today. That's a good idea. Tell the listeners that not to be, not to worry that it's going to be boring. This is going to be stuff that they need to know. And usually every time we say the word insurance, people, their eyes start to roll back, but hang in there and, and really get a lesson today that'll be helpful to you. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, on that note, since we mentioned, you know, this topic here in planning, Mark, maybe tell us a little bit about how you see the world of insurance and long-term care uh, from a planning perspective. Sure, David. Um, and as you know, and we've said many times uh, to our listeners, we definitely take a planning approach. And and the, and the planning approach is to incorporate, um, you know, the client's assets, liabilities, cash flow, and other factors into a plan. And when you look at annuities, insurance, and long-term care, uh, these are uh, protection vehicles that are needed in addition to other items like property casualty, uh, for protection of your home, as well as disability insurances. And so while we go through the planning process, it brings about situations where people and our clients have had annuities, insurance, and long-term care. And we found that it's you know very important to incorporate that into the protection and planning part of the process. Norton, maybe talk to me a little bit about, as, as Mark mentioned, the planning piece. I know you've been in the business a long time. Long-term care has changed a lot. Life insurance has changed a lot. Annuities have changed a lot. Maybe talk to us a little bit about some of those changes you've seen and how planning has impacted your decisions in helping people or, or even tell me a story if, if you've got you know an example that you could give. Sure. Love to do it. You know, it, it's not so much that all these products have changed. It's how and when they were sold and why they were sold and what was the basis of selling these things. You know, back in the day, if you were hired by a life insurance company and got licensed, they asked you for a list of everybody you knew and go out and sell insurance. It was very much of a ready, fire, aim kind of thing. It was just what could the guy afford? How much coverage could you get him? And so how these things are, have been sold has really been changed for the better, I think. What we're seeing now is very much what, what Mark's talking about, is a lot of that stuff that was sold back in the day don't apply today. And when we do the plan and we see something that was good for somebody age 25, um, maybe needs to be worked on or looked at again today. And the plan is what's so important because a lot of these insurance policies had 
whistles and bells and things that you paid for that maybe are not appropriate for today, you know, whether it was term insurance or whole life. And that's a whole other uh, boring subject. But unless you know the nuts and bolts of what you're doing and where you're trying to get and when those things got outlived and when there should be included comes to when you talk to an advisor going over the whole thing. So as far as this this whole ready fire aim kind of way of doing business it's it's not so much done that way anymore the same thing happened um you know a life insurance guy would go out and and try and sell some whole life whether or not it was enough insurance for what the people could pay for or not and then term got involved and people were just trying to fit what they could afford with how much they needed and you know that's that's where we come in later to try and fix this stuff and get it up to date. Okay, great. I, I love that analogy. Ready, fire, right. aim versus ready, aim, fire. I think, I think that's right. a great analogy. So Mark, let me bring this back to you. Actually, Norton, I've got you. So let me, let me keep you on the line. When we All talk right. about annuities, there's so many moving parts, very confusing for a lot of people, not even appropriate for all people, but yeah. talk to us about your view on annuities, and then we can maybe pull that back to Mark and talk about the planning view, if you will. A good idea. The annuities, people have to understand what an annuity was originally for. An annuity was actually really the opposite of a life insurance policy. When when these things were first contrived, a life insurance policy created an estate, and an annuity is when you're ready to retire to deplete and use that estate. And then it became used as investment vehicles. And this is where some of the troubles got in. You see a lot of advertising now pro and con on annuities. There's one guy very dramatically said, I'd rather die and burn in hell before I would sell an annuity. And, you know, and it's very dramatic and everything. And, and what he's talking about is what's happened to these annuities from what it was supposed to be to where it is. And we're talking about high fees. We're talking about whistles and bells that that are no longer needed. There was life insurance product, you know, attached to these annuities. If you died, you would never lose your money and they were guaranteed. And all these things were not really understood. And they were being sold as an investment vehicle. However, there is a fit for annuities for a lot of people. When you think about a why and what they need in the plan, what they're trying to accomplish. And basically what we do now when we're, do, we're trying to fix some of this stuff that has been outlived, annuities that are no longer applicable to a plan, what can we do to kind of help the client from paying for a lot of this stuff that uh, is no longer applicable anymore. There is a place for annuities and plans. There's lots of places to fix old annuities. In a lot of cases, their annuities have been sold incorrectly with very, very, very high commissions. And these things have to be uh, pointed out by the advisor like we do. Mark, bring this to you. So Norton mentioned pros and cons of annuities, lots of advertising out there. Talk to me about how you view annuities sort of through the lens of a financial planner. I think it's important, again, to uh, look at the plan and look at the uh, the needs of the clients. And I view annuities, insurance, and long-term care as solutions that can help fill a gap. Like I said, it's very similar to you know, protecting a, a home or vehicle with property casualty and so forth. You want to make sure those assets are protected if needed. Those absolutely are needed, but in the case of protecting 
uh, you know, against market fluctuations and so forth, you know, you need to be really, really careful. And, and a few examples of that are, you know, we had a client uh, approach us where the family had a very large percentage, uh, 70, 80% of their spend per year. Let's say they're going to spend $100,000 uh, per year in retirement. And they had around seventy to eighty thousand of income coming in from pensions alone that were guaranteed by very large, uh, you know, government uh, agencies and so forth. And yet, when we got into the asset side of the equation, we found that the same client had a uh, inordinate proportion of annuity contracts with a portion of their assets where they were you know, very complicated. They ended up having death benefit and guarantees in place on about a dozen different insurance contracts, annuity contracts. The conclusion when we reviewed this planning case is we found that the client uh, did not need uh, an extra guaranteed stream of income. They're really looking to grow these assets for uh, legacy or uh, family and or charities. And because they were paying effectively $1,500 per year to have a guaranteed income stream, we were looking for solutions that can lower that cost and simplify their planning process and, uh, and solve for that need uh, where that first uh, solution or annuity program, uh, the combination of them were just too complex and too expensive. Yes, yeah, so what, I, what I hear you yeah. saying, what I hear you saying is kind of what Norton said before, annuities are not necessarily bad. We just need to know how they fit into the overall plan before we can make the assessment whether the annuity one is is appropriate and then two has the right um, riders or is fitting the needs of the client. In that example, mm -hmm. they were they were paying exactly. for something they didn't need. Okay, great. Right. And I'd like to like to I'd like to add one one other you know thought around that. Again, it is looking at the actual contracts and. What we need to do is uh, roll up our sleeves. Uh, we need to dig into the details of the policies and so forth. And we want to clarify today that there's a difference between a fixed annuity and a variable annuity uh, contracts and in terms of cost structure and everything else. So some of the things that, that we have done on behalf of our clients is we look at cases where they have fixed annuities that um, have a, a rate locked in uh, with a guaranteed increase of 3 to 4% by the insurance company, a guaranteed of 3 to 4% per year. And as interest rates have dropped to sub 1%, these types of contracts that are fixed income uh, with a minimum guarantee are still are really good positions to uh, continue to hold on to or contracts to hold on to. So what, what we have done in those circumstances is uh, we have gone in and said, you know, somebody has $100,000 in that contract and we know it's going to generate 3 to 4% per year. And we will incorporate that as part of our portfolio process, and we will allocate that to a fixed income portion of a client's account and lower the fixed income portion, you know, in lieu of keeping that position that is has that higher guarantee. So that just gives you another example of how, of how this has to be integrated and customized into the plan and the portfolio combined. So that just gives right. you another another quick example. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Talk to me a little bit about long-term care. You know, a lot of listeners do not know what it is, what purpose it serves. Should it is it for everyone? You know, talk to me a little bit about those three things there. What is long-term care? Why should it be considered? And is it for everyone? 
First off, it may not be for everyone, and let, let's start with that. But the definition of a long-term care policy is uh, is effectively where the uh, insured is paying a premium to an insurance company to fill a gap, and the gap is to generate an, and have a pool of assets that the insured can draw upon should they have a qualified long-term care event. So hypothetically, the cost of long-term care, uh, let's say just for this recording, is uh, $60,000 per year as a a real simplified example. That's to provide caregivers or whatever that need may be. And the typical long-term care event lasts for about, you know, on average, about three to five years is the average range. And so you're really looking to generate an, an extra source of income to pay, you know, somewhere in the area of around three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars in expenditures, funded by an insurance company. And a way to, and a good analogy of that is, you're basically insuring a house for let's say five hundred thousand dollars, and you're paying a premium to an insurance company to protect you for that five hundred thousand dollar expenditure. But if you don't have a long-term care event, like you don't have your house burned down then uh, you paid the premium for not utilizing the protection. So it's kind of a cost-benefit uh, you know, component that needs to be looked at. And so just to tie that into the planning process, uh, the first thing we look for is to see, uh, does the client have enough income resources or asset resources to fund that $500,000 on their own? And that comes through the planning process. And what we do is we go in and run uh, models to see hypotheticals to see if the husband and wife have a long-term care event in their 80s, late 80s, as an example, for three to five years. What is the actual impact of their plan? Is, does the plan still work uh, along with uh, other goals like leaving a legacy? So that's how we tie it in to, to see whether or not that these types of policies are needed or not. And um, because ultimately it's an extra expense that people would rather not pay, and they can use that money in retirement for other 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 things like uh, travel or gifting or whatever the case may be. So Norton, let's talk about pricing. Some of these long, I've looked at this for family members, I've looked at this for clients, and sometimes this can get get very pricey. So talk to me about pricing and what are the things people should be thinking about in conjunction with their financial planner as as this is a consideration? You know, I'm glad to talk about this. There's a lot of things that go into who needs long-term care and who doesn't need long-term care from how we look at it, the consumer, to how the insurance companies look at it. And it's kind of interesting. One of the things that's costing a lot of money and what's what for the insurance companies is dementia and what's happening with Alzheimer's. And a lot of these companies who didn't understand it when they first got into the business and now they see what the costs are, are, are raising premiums over the years because they didn't realize what the cost would be. It was interesting when Mark talked about three to five year event, it's different by gender. Women with Alzheimer's, for example, can go on for many, many more years than men with Alzheimer's. And the insurance companies know that, and they're starting to price that in now, and they're starting to raise the prices over that. And a lot of times when we work this out, for, uh, for an older person, we see that the premiums 
don't justify in many cases what the alter, what the benefit's going to be. That's what's happening with these pre, it's happened to my own, where all of a sudden as we get older and the insurance companies are getting more experience, they're raising these premiums and they're asking you to reduce the coverage so that you can reduce your costs. So it's really a, an aggravating thing. And when we go into looking at this stuff, we're very cognizant of that. And we want to make sure by the age of the client, by the health, by what they're looking to do, what they really want in the planning process will let us know, A, where we should look for companies or if we should not be looking at all. It's really been an amazing thing. Is I think, David, you mentioned at the beginning that uh, these long-term care policies haven't been in effect as long as as, as life insurance and, and annuities, and it's true. And they're just building experience now. And based upon experience, and I'm wondering what's going to happen two and three years down the road now with this COVID, what's going to happen with premiums. And I'm very, very concerned about that, and I want to make sure that everybody knows when they get into this stuff that they should talk to these agents or whoever they're talking to about what the insurance company is allowed to do with future premiums. That's a great point. Yeah, and, and people are, are really living a lot longer than in years past, which is a great thing, but it, it brings challenges for long-term care companies, uh, even for life insurance companies. So uh, let, me, yeah. let me transition the conversation a little bit and talk about life insurance since I just mentioned it there. Norton, since I've got you here on the line, talk to me about, about whole life term. What should people be considering? Should this be a part of their planning process? It should absolutely be part of the planning process. I remember in the early days of my career, first of all, I started off as a licensed insurance agent. And the whole idea was to sell a whole life policy because you owned it forever. And, um, you know, and these were these were expensive. When I got into the uh, securities business at first, it was uh, working for a mutual fund company. And the whole idea was uh, sell term, invest the difference, you'll do much better over, over your lifetime. You'll have a lot more insurance when you're younger. And if you invest your money in a plan, you'll have a lot more than what you would have had in death benefit anyway. And the truth of the matter is all of this stuff was like what we talked before was was ready, fire, aim. I mean, the first thing you have to do is figure out the need of, of a younger person. Maybe it's going to be a combination of whole life and term. Maybe as you go on, and when there's a state needs for taxes, as a client gets older, we can see that at age 50 or 45 or 55, and we can start building more permanent insurance in that. But there's a whole lot of different kinds of permanent insurance. And you've got to make sure that when you're talking to these insurance agents, that you know if this is combined with um, interest rates, if, you, if these policies can implode if you live too long. I mean, you need someone to take these policies apart. And my advice for anybody looking for the need and feels the need for insurance is, is they talk to a lot of different companies and find out why they're suggesting what they're suggesting. Are they working for one company or do they have access to a lot of companies? And why they're giving the quote they're giving along with what you need today versus what you may need tomorrow. It's a complicated business. It's not just how much can I sell this policy for today, which is what you know the older agents used to do. I'm hoping it's getting better now. But what we're looking at is 
older policies and different kinds of needs. And once again, it's uh, fixing a problem that that a client might have outgrown. So, Mark, a, a lot to consider there as I'm thinking about what Norton just said. Maybe you can help our listeners if if you had uh, an example that you could share where, you know, potentially life insurance fit into a plan, why it fit in, how it was appropriate, and 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 kind of walk us through an example like that. Based on the ready, aim, fire concept, which is clearly to us going through the planning process, a few things come to mind. One is, as Norton said, when you when you start out, you're building your family, having an insurance policy in place for a 20 or 30 year period is important because you may not have the income or the assets to uh, protect against a premature death. So I think that's uh, you know main consideration. And then as that family evolves over the years, that term policy, whether or not you want to keep it in force is a big, big question mark. And that's where permanent policies like whole life, universal life, and hybrid uh, policies come in place. So there's, there's a few circumstances where, you know, one, for example, we had a family with a, uh, the husband had passed away, the wife remarried, and the wife wanted to um, effectively make the, the new husband a beneficiary on some assets. And, and that was going to effectively disinherit assets from the kids. And so working with the estate attorney, we did put in place a, a permanent policy where the client could contribute premium dollars per year into that plan where the, the beneficiaries were the, were the children. And so what happened is uh, that when that client ended up passing away, the husband received, the second husband received proceeds from uh, an IRA account, and the uh, children received the proceeds from the insurance policies, which was a much more tax-advantageous ad- way to receive the money. So that's a quick example of uh, of how that works. And, and one of the other types of solutions that has come about from the insurance companies that I wanted to highlight today as well is there's a hybrid policy where any accumulated cash value in existing policies could potentially be changed or future dollars can be put into an insurance contract that can be drawn down in case there's a long-term care event. And if there is no long-term care event, then the, uh, the, the beneficiaries would receive the death benefit. So it's sort of like that example I left earlier where uh, we have clients over the years that have had insurance, we have taken that cash value and we said, geez, you know, you have assets that are are tied up in this insurance company. We move those assets to a new type of policy that basically says if the family has a long-term care event, they can use that money. And let's say it's $100,000 as an example, and they spend, you know, $60,000 of it on a long-term care situation. Now they have $40,000 left in death benefit that will get payable to the spouse and or children should that person pass away. So those are things that came about again from analyzing the plan and taking a look at vehicles that are out there, solutions, and and putting in place a a game plan to uh, then pull the trigger and, as Norton said, fire and and make a change or or keep what we have, depending upon if it's it's suitable, you keep it. Okay. Okay? So, And and we've talked a a lot today about, at least in my mind's eye, a lot about sort of the individual investor, the family investor, but uh, very briefly, uh, Norton or Mark, whichever you choose, tell me a little bit about 
some life insurance considerations for businesses or small companies. You like that one, Mark? Go ahead. <laughs> sure. Again, part of the uh, the part of the planning process is many of our clients are uh, business owners, and as a business owner, they want to protect against things like uh, product liability. They want to protect against property casualty issues and so forth. And where uh, disability policies or insurance policies are used to uh, fund just in case there's a key employee. So if there's a key owner in a company, as an example, and if that person were to pass away and uh, they're the main breadwinner of that company, uh, having a key man policy in place to effectively provide capital just in case that person passes to help sort of shore up the uh, potential loss of revenue and or customers that could come about from that. That's one quick example. Another one is if you have a multi company that's owned by multiple owners, and let's say the company is worth $10 million and both owners you know, uh, have a 50% uh, interest, one person passes away, how is the other owner going to come up with $5 million? And one way to do that is to uh, fund a uh, buy-sell agreement you know, set up correctly with the uh, legal and tax uh, council to uh, effectively create a pool of money that can be used to uh, purchase out that other 50% interest. Those are just two brief examples. And again, this comes about from the planning process to we go down a checklist and we go, let's check a box. Do you have a buy-sell agreement? Yes or no. You do. Is it funded? Yes or no. What would happen if this happens and how would you handle that? It's really a uh, you know discussion. And then the insurance solutions and, that are out there again, are needed to fill a gap if they're not, if they're not filled. And so right. uh, there's other contingencies that are in place too. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you joining the conversation today. I know this is a, there's a lot of moving parts anytime you're talking about insurance. So, so thanks for your thoughts and feedback. Today. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thanks. As always, anybody that would like to get a hold of Norton, myself or Mark or anyone on the Synergy team, you can reach out directly at hello, H-E-L-L-O at Synergy Capital Solutions, or you can check out our website, SynergyCapitalSolutions.com. Uh, for our listeners, thank you so much for listening. As always, please subscribe and share, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Planet, the Synergize Your Capital podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Synergy Capital Solutions is a financial planning and investment management firm registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. 
Synergy Capital Solutions and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Synergy Capital Solutions and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.